Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, Packers Bears Week 1, the kickoff to the NFL's 100th season. It's just a couple days away now. And we spent a lot of time talking yesterday's show, previous shows, about finally getting to unveil this new Packers offense, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, the whole cast of characters. But we haven't spent much time talking about the Packers' defense, and I think we do need to spend some time on that because, quite frankly, for me, I'm almost building more anticipation for what this defense is going to look like as opposed to last year when Mike Pettin was in his first year because... It was this kind of the same cast of characters. Last year, yes, you had a new coordinator. You added Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson. But otherwise, it was all the same crew. Yeah. And this year, you have a returning crew that learned the system the first year. And then you have this influx of guys, essentially a 2015 draft class that was purchased in free agency, the yeah. Smiths and Adrian Amos. And then your 2019 draft class at the top of the board in Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage. This is really interesting now that we're finally going to see what Mike Pettin's year two defense is going to look like. Do you like to cook, Mike? Sometimes. At the house? Okay. Sometimes. Sometimes. Do you ever find yourself going to the grocery store, you come home, there's a couple different ingredients, a couple different things you're really excited about, you find a good, I don't know, spare rib that you're really excited to throw in the, the oven and whatnot. That's the way I feel about the Packers' defense. And I think that's what Packer fans should be excited about right now is that you have all these new ingredients to work with, with Mike Pettin and his defense. Now, we got an idea of what he can offer. And not saying that those ingredients weren't great, too, but you kind of knew what you were dealing with at that right. point. Everything was sort of the same. You can only shine a penny so many different ways. What I like about this influx is because there's so many different types of acquisitions that they made when you look at the rookie class like you said when you look at the 2015 free agents that have been signed that came through that draft right and then you also have this 2016 draft coming into the prime of their careers throwing Jair Alexander throwing some of these other people this is to me and I wrote this in insider inbox this is the most intriguing a Packer defense has been at least during my time on the beat because there's so many new uh, different areas to, to work off of. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go out there and just dominate from day one. I think you have to be realistic. I think you have to understand that this is 11 players working as one, and it's going to take time to bring those materials together, bring those players together. But at the end of the day, I, I think as this team, if they can stay healthy, if that unit can stay healthy, and you and I have talked about it time and time again, seeing the progression that this defense can make with Mike Pettin's scheme and those principles behind it, I think is very exciting. Well, it was obvious what the targets were to revamp this defense in the offseason, and it was two positions. It was outside linebacker and safety. You brought in two free agent outside linebackers in Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, and you spent your first-round draft pick on an outside linebacker in Rashawn Gary. And then at safety, you brought in a new starter in Adrian Amos, and you spent your second first-round draft yeah. pick on a safety in Darnell Savage. Those are the two positions that have gotten – the makeovers here heading into 2019 and when you're when you're talking about trying to make impact plays in football games you know it's sacks and it's turnovers yeah. and outside linebackers and safeties have a lot to do with sacks fumbles and interceptions and 
I think it's going to take some time for everything to come together because there's so many new guys in this system. But I still think the Packers are heading into week one here in better shape defensively in terms of where they are with the system than they were last year at this time. Well, and it's interesting to watch how this game has changed uh, over even the last six, seven, eight years. Um, I remember talking to Dom Capers about this after the 2013 season when they went and got Julius Peppers and, and they brought in some new people. They drafted uh, Ha Ha Clinton Dix. There was a time not that long ago where you needed a dominant Pro Bowl pass rusher off the edge. The other outside linebacker, meh, you didn't really have as much of urgency there. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it was Frank Zombo lining up across from Clay Matthews, right, during during a part of their career together. Safety was a neglected position, not just by the Packers, but a lot of NFL teams for a lot of seasons. Yep. They wanted their cornerbacks. They wanted their inside linebackers. They felt like that's where you win. But as the game has evolved, you've needed versatile safeties you need multiple safeties you need multiple outside linebackers and I think the the buildup and the makeup of this roster right now that Brian Gutekunst has put together reflects that and it reflects the idea too that unlike other years where you'd see a guy like Rashawn Gary come in and you know as a first round pick 12th overall they might be pushing him into the lineup day one wanting production from him you're not in that spot with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith both 26 years old coming into the prime of their careers and under contract for a long time I just I'm so intrigued, as I mentioned from the get go, just to see those pieces come together, how those free agents marry with the the rookie acquisitions and the parts in between. It's to me, it's it's a reason to believe that this season could turn out differently for that unit. Yeah, there are a couple of caveats, though, and I will mention these things. One is that for all of the change and whatnot on paper, you have only one guy on this defense with a double-digit sack season in his career, and that's Kyler Fackrell. Now the Packers are counting on the fact that, as you just said, the two Smiths being 26 years old, they've had eight, eight-and-a-half sack seasons in their career, that the double-digit, yeah. those higher numbers are on the way. So they're banking on that. And then also, obviously, adding a guy like Rashawn Gary to the mix, who they feel in a very short amount of time could become one of those type of players. The other thing is that... We all know what shutdown corners, what having two top-flight cornerbacks can mean to a defense and can mean to a defensive coordinator in terms of his flexibility yeah. with his packages and with his calls. And that's Jair Alexander and Kevin King. And once again, Kevin King spent a training camp injured, injured his hamstring on family night, missed several weeks. He's back on the practice field. He's expected to play on Thursday. But just how much Kevin King is going to be able to play, not only Thursday, but throughout the course of the season, I think is also going to be a big factor for Mike Pettin and just how good potentially this defense can Absolutely. be. Absolutely, because as you wrote in the Packers yearbook this year, when you have Jair Alexander and Kevin King both healthy, that gives you you know two potential 1A, 1B type cornerbacks that yeah. you're going to be able to play with. But the one thing I do like about in regards to just how the cornerbacks position is structured this year it's as deep in terms of not just what you would consider to be relative talent. It's as deep in experience as they've had in a number of years. When you look at Tremont Williams right now as the slot nickel guy but could push outside if you need him to. Tony Brown got a lot of reps during the preseason, yep. during the time in which Kevin King was out. Josh Jackson is back from you know the, the injury with the, the Achilles foot, what have you. And then you see the young guys that they kept on this roster, too. It, some, it seemed like for a point in time the Packers were either going to go extremely young with their backups 
or they were going to have veterans and keep you know their young guys on the practice squad. This year they have both. And you obviously want, if you're the Packers, you're hoping and knocking on wood that Kevin King can play in all 16 games. But if for whatever reason he can't or Jair Alexander can't, I just feel like this year's group, they're not necessarily in that position where you're going to have to end up putting you know a guy that maybe isn't ready for that moment on the field like they had to in some of these previous seasons. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a reason. I think there are multiple reasons the Packers decided to keep seven cornerbacks on this roster. I mean, one is that those guys earned the jobs, but we all know how roster decisions and numbers can work. But you keep seven cornerbacks because of, A, how the game is played these days and how many cornerbacks you're going to use at different points in time, B, Kevin King's injury history, and C, Tremont Williams and just his age. Mm -hmm. Um, And Tremont Williams has been fighting off father time as well as anybody has for a while. But you just never, you never know at what point maybe it's going to catch up to him and he's not quite going to be the player that he was. So you've got seven cornerbacks. And as you said, Wes, it's a mixture of some experienced guys and some younger guys. But I think at the end of the day, and I don't, not not trying to pick on anybody in particular, but this defense is at a point where you're not going to have to line up Ladarius Gunter across from right. Julio Jones in yes. a big game, yep. which is where, where the Packers were three years ago. Yeah, and, and that's that's ultimately what we're getting at here. You see just some of these guys, and it wasn't just Gunter. There were a number of undrafted rookies and first-year players that had to play in big key spots for this team. Right. In tough matchups. In tough matchups, yeah. in games that mattered down late in the season. Now, that's going to be a thing that happens, Mike. You're going to need guys at certain positions to step up. We even saw it in some regard to Curtis Bolton during the preseason before he injured his knee. But you don't want to have that as a recurring thing that you're dealing with week in and week out. That's where the Packers were in a lot of circumstances. And I think it probably speaks to the direction the league is going, that this is the fifth consecutive year the Packers have carried either 11 or 12 defensive backs on this initial 53. My first year in 2012 when I covered this team, you were looking at eight or nine at that position. Right. In uh, the fact that it's shifted like that, and you've seen sort of, even Brian Gutekunst talked about it, inside linebackers aren't as prevalent as they were before because you're seeing a guy like Raven Green playing in the box now. You need to have that multiplicity to be able to not only weather injuries, but also be able to take on those spread offenses. And I think when you look on paper the way the Packers are structured right now, and again, there's a lot of things that have to work out for that to be relevant in December, Mm -hmm. but on paper I think you have to like what you're seeing. Yeah, well, Pettin's big theme throughout this offseason training camp leading up to the start of the season, his big theme has been the two T's, tackling and turnovers. And quite frankly, I'm I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock into what happened in the preseason because, yes, there were a whole bunch of missed tackles, but the starters weren't really on the field all that much. In the time that they were, they were trying to chase down, what was his name from Baltimore? Lamar Jackson. I mean, absolutely singular (laughs) talent. There's nobody else like him playing in the NFL. So that was kind of an odd circumstance to me for the starters to get their only really legitimate snaps of the preseason. We also saw the defense turn the ball over a bunch in the preseason. They did get a bunch of turnovers, but again, the starters weren't on the field that much. So I think there's there's a lot of unknown as to just where this unit is going to be with that big theme of tackling and, and turnovers. And there's going to be give and take with that whole scenario. I mean, I think you look at Kadar Holman and Ken Shannon Sullivan, guys that made the roster you know, based on big plays in the preseason. That gets you on the roster. It doesn't build up much equity past week one, though. Right. You need to be able to earn that. The starters need to be able to earn that and build that momentum throughout the course of the season. 
The tackling is a situation, though, that I think they could really make a statement if they could come out of the gate and actually look very competent and secure and comfortable in that phase of the game because it is going to take time. Every NFL team is going to go through it. We know the storyline has been beaten to death in terms of what teams are dealing with now at the CBA environment, trying to find the best way to prepare your football team with taking the contact out of a lot of those offseason practices. So everybody's starting from square one from that regard. But if you're able to establish that early on, especially against a team like Chicago that can be as multiple as they are, I think that's something you can really propel yourself forward with by making a statement at Soldier Field that, you know what, it was a big emphasis and we're answering that right off the bat. Yeah, well, a couple of these guys we've talked about actually have gone into week one here on the defensive side and they changed their uniform number. They did. Darnell Savage, who grabbed number 26 when he was drafted in the first round, he has switched and is now wearing number 21. And Raven Green, who made the roster last year as an undrafted rookie wearing number 36, has now switched to number 24. What do you make of that? Well, first off, I didn't get a chance to ask Raven Green about this. A little bit of a spoiler alert here. I'm going to try to do that once we're done with uh, (laughs) Unscripted today. That's one of my topics for the last locker room of the week is to figure out what exactly he did there because he didn't wear 24 at at, uh, James Madison. But on the other side of things, uh, it was really interesting listening to Savage discuss it. There is a rapper, I'm sure you're well familiar, out of Atlanta named 21 Savage. Okay. He did a really nice collaboration with Post Malone, Psycho. You're probably familiar with that as well. Uh, And (laughs) I remember there was some hooting and hollering when the Packers drafted uh, Savage. And he was number 21. That was pointed out to him yesterday. Where his selection was, and there were some fans who were like, "You got it. He has to be 21 Savage." He wasn't. He was 26. He went with the number that he played with for two years at Maryland. Natrell Jamerson. Natrell Jamerson was, was wearing here, 21. Was a holdover from the 2018 season. He was wearing number 21, and he kept it. But Jamerson was released at final cutdown. So Sunday morning comes around, and Darnell Savage goes, "You know what? I'm sick of 26. <laughs> I think I want to wear 21 now." I think whether or not he wants to admit it, I think it's a great marketing opportunity for the young man. He's going to show up on a lot of sites. He's going to get a lot of exposure they probably wouldn't have received otherwise. And let's be honest, too. I mean, you always want to marry, like, you know, hit, like whatever the, the popular stuff is going on outside of football. You want to have that together with NFL. I mean, that's what any industry wants to do, right? You want to build those brands together. And now Darnell Savage gets a chance to do it. I also want to point out with Raven Green how special this is for a guy like this. This is an undrafted rookie last year. Would have probably taken any number that they wanted to give him. (laughs) He's now put himself in a position in year two to be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I'll take twenty-four. Yeah, give me a give me a new uh, a new (laughs) numeral there on my uh, on my green and gold jersey. Um, Another thing I want to get to, and I'm not trying to ignore the offense here I just feel like we've talked about the offense we quite sort of a bit. ignored I'm the sure defense we'll, yesterday yeah, when John barged in here yeah, so it's like I'm we're sure trying we'll, to work our way back and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the offense in our final preview show tomorrow before we hop on the plane to Chicago but I want to touch on special teams here quickly too Wes Mason Crosby is the kicker the yep. Packers made the decision to go with him and released Sam Ficken but the other thing that I think is interesting here with new coordinator Sean Meninger you have a couple of linebackers who were, I guess you could kind of call them the bell cows in some ways on special teams a year ago, a year that did not go well on special teams, but two guys who did perform well as rookies were Oren Burks and James Crawford. And Oren Burks now is hurt. James Crawford has been released. So I'm kind of wondering, 
just who are going to – there's an opportunity here for guys to emerge as leaders on special teams. I think Raven Green, who we yeah. talked about, is one of those potential guys. But who are some of the other guys you see that maybe on these coverage units, return units, are uh, are potentially going to rise to the top? Here? That's a great question, first off, uh, because you need those guys there. I'm not saying you need to always have a Matthew Slater on your roster who for 10 years is going to be a multiple-time pro bowler and can play on all four core units. But you need to have guys that you're comfortable with. And you know, and they've talked about that time and time again during this offseason. When I look at it, again, outside looking in, I mean, Kyler Fackrell is one of the core guys already. Uh, he did have 10.5 sacks last year, but he also did it while basically playing on every special teams unit for the Packers. Yeah. They reintroduced the fullback position this year on this roster, Danny Vitale. People don't really realize this. During his rookie year with Sean Menenga at Cleveland, he was actually on the Pro Bowl ballot that year as Cleveland's special teamer. Okay. Uh, had, I think, a half or maybe a dozen tackles that season. As much as he made the roster for his exploits as a fullback, he was used on special teams as well that season. So he has a, a certain capability there, Raven Green. But let's be honest here, Mike. The, the MVP, if you can say it like that to me, is Trevor Davis. And it's not just because of the returns. Certainly he's a very capable kickoff and punt returner. He's also their number one gunner. Yep. Uh, their number two gunner, Equinemia St. Brown, is now out for the year uh, after suffering that ankle injury in Canada. So they need a big performance out of Trevor Davis. I'm guessing you're going to see Will Redmond take a step there and be one of those core guys as a gunner and on some of those units. You can't replace a guy like Crawford. I just think he brings so much uh, in terms of energy to that position. But I do feel like there are guys that excel enough on that phase that they're going to be able to to sort of stem the tide without him. I think what you said about Trevor Davis and a gunner, that's a, a really good point because when we talk about combinations that we haven't seen, J.K. Scott as a punter and Trevor Davis yeah. as the top gunner is not a combination that we've seen. And, and a couple of years ago, Jeff Janis as a number one gunner with, quite frankly, a less talented punter in Jacob Shum, the Packers had a really, really good net punting average. Yep. And they really limited opponents' punt returns. Now you combine J.K. Scott going into his second year. He had a fantastic preseason. All the arrows are pointing up for him. And then if Trevor Davis can stay healthy and be that gunner like Jeff Janis was a couple of years ago. That's an interesting combination here for the Packers special teams and, and could be just as important as whoever else is on those coverage units. Yeah, and you're also going to have Jay Kumaro as a guy that has established himself that he's more than just a one particular phase guy that he can play in coverage units. You know, Robert Tanyan is going to have a bigger role in the offense this year, but he you know turned into one of the core guys last season. So there is a lot of returning experience in that way. But what I'm going to have my eye on is the gunner spot because it's so intricate to what you do on punts. And you may probably don't even remember this, but we got to see Trevor Davis basically do it in one game last year. And he had a great tackle after a pretty nice punt from J.K. Scott. Don't ask me which team it was against. But I, it made me kind of perk up and go, yeah, that's what you can do when you have a guy with that type of speed that puts on that pressure with that hang time. 
and unfortunately end up having another hamstring injury and that wiped that out. But yeah, uh, I think you're going to see him. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, I think Shannon Sullivan's probably involved with it. There's going to be a lot of those guys that are going to be mixing in with those returning guys and hopefully putting their best foot forward in 2019. All right. Well, with that, we are going to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services if you're so inclined. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.